0: Jordan Kavuma and this podcast serves as your space to find clarity and grounding in your creative business. I hope that our time together will provide you with not only a clear vision for the way forward, but a strategy for how to achieve it while keeping the most important things, the most important things, because when you thrive, your business thrives. Hey guys, welcome back to season two, episode four of the Grounding Podcast. I am so glad to have you here today as I talk to Ashley Kirkwood all about scaling your business through speaking engagements. So, this conversation really caught me off guard, I think. Like, I hadn't, I thought I had an idea of what it was going to be like whenever we started, you know, what Ashley was going to say. And then I was really surprised by the approach that she takes to this and the strategy that she has behind it and why she thinks it's so important um, to use speaking engagements to grow your audience. And so I hope that you can walk away with the same level of not only surprise, but also knowledge that you can maybe choose to apply to your business or, you know, maybe even like craft it in a way that makes more sense for you in what you're doing right now in your business or in your personal life or whatever the season looks like for you. But Ashley is a dynamic speaker, but she is also a trademark lawyer and an on-air legal expert for a daytime show in Chicago. Her law firm, which is called Mobile General Counsel, helps entrepreneurs to trademark their brands and protect their business assets with contracts. So she takes great pride in helping business owners on the legal side and the business side, which you will hear in the podcast. On the business side, she's helping entrepreneurs and experts make speaking an income stream through live events. Um, She is producing amazing content on her podcast and her coaching programs. And all of this falls under her brand, Speak Your Way to Cash. So obviously those links are going to be in the show notes. And I would highly encourage you to take a look at everything that she has to offer. But when Ashley's not helping her legal or coaching clients... You can find her on stage around the country delivering her signature speech, which is the currency of confidence. So she is a sought after expert who speaks on topics like sales training, confidence, and storytelling. And this interview with her does not disappoint. You are going to get to experience all of those things and walk away with so much knowledge as it pertains to your business. But before I dive in to my interview with Ashley, I wanted to read a listener review that I received. So this review is from Kendra Ferris and she says, wonderful podcast for creatives. I am so grateful that Jordan has taken the time to create this podcast as a wedding photographer and business owner. Her tips are both helpful and inspiring. It's a great way to start the work day. She and her guests encourage entrepreneurs to prioritize their mental and their physical health before their business, which is so important. Give it a listen. Thank you so much, Kendra. That review is everything. It means so much to me. I love reading these from you guys. Seriously, not one goes unread and they all encourage me to continue putting out this content for you, but they also serve the purpose of growing the podcast and allowing other creatives just like yourself to find it and listen so that they also can be encouraged to prioritize their mental and physical health before their business, just like Kendra said in her review. So guys, I don't want to waste any more time. I want to jump right into my interview with Ashley. I know you guys are going to love it. So enjoy. Hey, Ashley, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Yes, I'm excited to speak with you as
1: well. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you just go ahead and give the listeners a little bit of a backstory as to who you are and what you find yourself doing now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Ashley Kirkwood. I'm the founder of a law firm called Mobile General Counsel. It's a trademark law firm, trademarks and contracts for entrepreneurs. And I'm also a professional speaker and founder of Speak Your Way to Cash, which is a podcast and a Facebook group for folks who are interested in increasing their revenue through the art of speaking.
0: Whenever I like first saw what you were doing and um, how you reach out to help creatives in that way, it's honestly something that I had never really thought about before. Because you hear a lot of people saying, "I'm going to go talk at this conference" or "I'm going to be on this podcast," but actually viewing that as a way to scale your business and grow your revenue—that just those dots I had not connected. It, it always just kind of come to me as oh, well, this just happened. You know, I I got this opportunity. It came to me. It came to me instead of having the perspective of going after that as a strategy. So I would love to hear, like, how did you connect those dots in your business or in your life and going from one job to the next to be able to get where you're at now?
1: Definitely. So for me, you know, I was working as an attorney. Um, I'd spoken quite a bit. I did jury trials all over the country and So that is one level of speaking, and I, you know, I tried to pride myself on the fact that if jurors were asleep when I got up, they would wake up, and for the <laughs> point, that is the case. And so I was very interested in speaking from a very young age, did debate, speech, all of that, but I didn't really know it was a revenue stream until a speaker came to our high school and basically stated, no, you could do this for a living. And it was at that point that I started getting paid to speak because I started asking for a fee. A lot of folks oh, okay. would ask me to speak, but they would just, you know, it'd be like, oh, can you come and talk to our youth about this um, one off? And so, you know, I was speaking here and there for like less than a thousand dollars all the time. Mm. And when I went to law school, graduated, got a job at a law firm, I was making before I left and became an entrepreneur close to three hundred thousand dollars. So someone paying me to speak unless it was a ton of money didn't really faze me. I was like, whatever, I'll do it for <laughs> five hundred really matter. And then I left that. Great salary with all those zeros to zero clients and zero anticipated income. Uh-huh. And at that point that I realized, OK, building a law firm is going to take time. People have to get to know who you are. I went from representing billion dollar companies to reaching out to entrepreneurs who were like, how can you represent us? We can't afford your big firm. <laughs> so you had to totally, I had to totally rebrand. And it took about six months to get my current roster of law firm clients, which is pretty substantial now. Mm-hmm. And so what I did on day one was I spoke. I planned my own college speaking tour. My book had just come out called The Law School Hustle, how I went from a 2.1 in undergrad to close to a 4.0 in law school and how I was able to do that. So I reached out to law schools all across the country. It didn't matter where they were. I flew to where they were, and I actually bulk sold my book to cover my expenses and get my speaking fee. And then I also would ask them to pay for my fee. So that was the strategy I used to make money from day 1 and after that I was just traveling around to colleges and getting referrals and reaching out and I would pitch 300 colleges a week wow um, to fill my calendar with college
0: bookings. And so was there what was the strategy that you were thinking whenever you decided to reach out to colleges? Is it because of the book that you had written and you felt like that was your ideal audience or what was going through your mind whenever you thought of, I want to book, I want to reach out to 300 colleges, you know, like, and try to yeah. book as many as I can.
1: So colleges are a really defined market. And in my opinion, the simplest market to get into for a newer speaker. Um, mm. Now I do a lot of corporations. Now that I have an, like, I have established speakers real I have a lot of experience. I and I'm not trying to speak as much, but I want to make a lot more. So at okay. this point, my strategy is reaching out to corporations with larger budgets that I could also sell a consulting fee to. Okay. But I started, I was like, okay, well, where can I go right now that I know needs this message that would buy in because of my unique expertise? And the book had just come out. And so it was really a combination of the book. And it was it was simple. I knew exactly who to, um, who to contact there, and I could just get the ball rolling right away. Whereas corporations it's a lot more handholding, a lot more um, relationship building, a lot more networking is involved. And mm-hmm. I think it's a great payout, but it takes a lot longer and a lot more strategy to build those corporate relationships.
0: Yeah, so what does your schedule kind of look like now that you have built your client base with your law firm? Do you do as much speaking or is it not as much of a focus anymore? That's a great question. So I run two distinct companies. Um, mobile General Counsel,
1: and then speak your way to cash through Mobile General Counsel. You know, it takes a substantial amount of time because the law firm we service over, you know, fifty businesses um, at any given time, mm-hmm. and we are doing we do we have to do what we have to do. I don't work alone though, so that makes it easy <laughs> and it's virtual. Yeah. <laughs> so I have clients all over the country, and they're not coming into my office, you know, chatting for two hours. So now I still speak quite a bit. So this year I want to do. 15 to 20 engagements. So not as many as last year, which was more, it was closer to, it was over 30 engagements last year. I think it was closer to 50, but about 30 or so that were paid engagements. And so what we want to do this year is do a lot less, but also I want to do a lot less this year for a couple of reasons. One of them being in 2020, I will be having my first child. So, I just can't. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So, I just can't like pick up and go. Like, my mom is always like, Where's the baby going to be? Whenever I tell her I'm going, yeah. when is this? Where's the baby going to be? And it's so weird because yeah. this is my first child, me and my husband. And so, uh-huh. I never have had to think about where a baby would be. So, yeah. so I have to <laughs> like, retrain my, my life, my schedule, and my client base around that. So, a lot more yeah. engagements because I, I love traveling. So, yeah. I fly to Miami, New York with a couple days notice for a client. And now I'm just doing a lot. It's a lot more strategic, a lot more. Mm-hmm. Home. And so we'll still do engagements, but around 15 to 20.
0: And that's so exciting that you're having your first baby. It does change everything. Yeah. And I think and- that like making that <laughs> mindset shift of like, oh yeah, like I'm not going to be able to just jump up and go. Like I'm going to have to have a little bit more like home time and stability and things like that. But like, what are some things, because I know that a lot of my listeners, they they think a lot about life stages and transitions and yeah. what can I do today in my business to set up what I like to do, what I enjoy doing, what's profitable for me, but that it's something that I'm not going to have to completely abandon if my current life situation changes. So having a baby or getting married or moving to a different state or whatever the new circumstances. So what are some tips that you think when you considering speaking engagement to support the growth of your business? What are some things that you think you've put in place that are going to serve you well whenever you step into like the new role of being a mom and moving into that new life stage?
1: Absolutely. So one of the things that I love about speaking, and, and we work with our clients on this all the time, is like, first, you have to know how much you want to make from speaking, Mm -hmm. And then you have to know how much you want to speak. And then you want to think about how much do you need to travel? So those are some of the questions that I ask my coaching clients when I'm doing a VIP day for a Speak Your Way to Cash client. It's like, Mm -hmm. all right, well, if you only want to do 10 engagements, but you want to make 100 grand this year, then you need to only target companies that have the capacity to to pay that. And then you need to find other speakers who are making that currently. By utilizing there's a lot of tools that we use but we can look at other speakers um, and see their see their posted rate and then figure out where they're speaking and look at the trends in the market for that particular speaker so for anyone who's transitioning I would say number one you I don't personally think you can transition take time off have a lot of balance without having a team that's mm-hmm. one. so one of the things that um, in October we're doing a speaker rate to cash speakers retreat, and we're we're talking about hiring, utilizing the global marketplace because for entrepreneurs, especially creative entrepreneurs, when you're just getting started, you haven't quite figured out your pricing, you think I don't have enough money to pay myself, so I don't have enough money to pay someone else. But mm. you know, Fiverr is one of these great tools. They've sponsored my events in the past for speak your way to cash. And it you know, there's it's a global marketplace out there now. So whereas mm. maybe can't afford to hire the the super glitzy content writer who's amazing even though for content writer i just recommend you do it yourself if you can't (laughs) afford to pay someone (laughs) great um but you can afford to hire like a social media manager who will post so you know i think you need to hire if you can't hire someone who's at 20 dollars an hour find someone who's at you know ten dollars an hour or maybe even less depending on what they're doing maybe you pay per per project but you have to Mm. have a team So that you can really build things out. And then the other thing is, before you get a team, I think in terms of like stair-stepping it, you want to use technology really, really efficiently. And then you want to get a team. So we use so much automation technology. So I can get out to a client in five seconds. After that invoice goes out, I have a system that automatically sends them a questionnaire. So we don't have to have a phone call for every single intake. You could just fill out the questionnaire. Then the phone call is far more targeted. So it yeah. cuts down the amount of time I speak to clients. You can automate so much. So team and technology is critical if you're going to like, you know, transition your life. And then also just figuring out, are you going to, how much do you want to make from this realistically? And then only target the clients who can actually pay that. And for most people, finding out who that is and how they should pitch them comes from working with a coach of some sort, because it's it's individualized per each person.
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, that's incredibly practical. So I appreciate that. Um, do you, with the clients that you work with for speaking, do you notice a trend as to who is really successful when it comes to booking speaking engagements and, um, being asked to come back or being asked to do more engagements? Or is it like, Anybody can do it. It's just a frame of mind that you have to, you know, stay within. So
1: I would say now, because we've, we've trained over 50 speakers last year, and yeah. ones who've done exceptionally well. There was a girl who came to my Speaker Rated Cash event within a couple, I think it was a less than a month. She messaged me and was like, hey, I've booked seven engagements on college campuses. This is where I'm going. She wanted to know about her speaker's contract. She followed up with me. And the thing that was different was she actually pitched, right? So she took the temp because we okay. give templates in our classes, and even I have an online class. We give templates. You could just copy and paste it, edit it for your liking, and then send it out. She she pitched, you know. She did the work, and I think for a lot of people, it's like, oh, but if I don't have a great website, or I don't have a great demo video, or I don't have all the things in place, they won't even start pitching. But have mm. to start pitching regardless of if you have everything in place because you're going to get better at pitching as time goes on. So the better assets you get, if you're pitching even when your assets are horrible and you can pitch and land something with those things, you'll just be even more great after, you know, 3 to 6 months of consistent pitching. So it's really the people that implement and the people that can force themselves to believe in themselves enough to implement.
0: Yeah. Yeah, just like starting. <laughs> I think a lot of people have That fear of it has to be perfect and I have to, you know, have all my ducks in a row, but just starting a lot of times I think is the best way to notice what needs to be fixed too out of trial and error, but then also see that like it doesn't have to be as perfect as you have it made up in your head. Like a lot of people are just going to appreciate what you're putting out, you know?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And you want to, you want it to pay for itself. So my first website wasn't that great because I did it myself. Now, once Mm -hmm. I started getting paid to speak, my websites got better and better. Once I started getting paid more to speak, I took a videographer and a photographer to every single event. So I had amazing video, amazing footage from each event. But that was as my rate got higher. It wasn't like I tried to do all of this now because it can get very expensive and it just doesn't make sense. And at the end of the year, you have to say, okay, I brought in 75K extra of income from speaking but I spent like 30 grand of it reinvesting back into the speaking business. That makes sense. But it doesn't make sense if it's like, I spent $20,000 on this speaking business and I didn't make any money. Like that doesn't, <laughs> that's hard, to, that's really hard to justify. So I think, you know, just start with what you have and then um, go from there.
0: Yeah. I So a lot of my listeners are creatives, artists, designers, things like that. Whenever you think of people in that industry what are some of the most, you know, whenever they think, well, I don't, I don't think I have anything to talk about, or I don't think I have anything. Like if I was to speak, I don't know what I would say, or I don't know where I would even start to reach out. I'm not selling a book. I'm not, you know, they just have products that they sell. Have you worked with people in that field or do you have kind of words of advice for people who are in that industry to start thinking creatively about how they could use speaking as a way to engage with a wider audience, but also scale their business and become an added revenue stream?
1: Absolutely. So one of the things that I'll say is you, this is why I think coaching is critical. If you want to speak and you just don't know how to package your message in a way that will be bought by an audience that has the budget, then yeah. I would recommend like hitting me up in the um, speaker Ready Cash Facebook group so we can talk about that. But one of the things I would recommend is like if you're an artist and you're open to speaking about something other than the art that you produce then I would think of I would think creatively about like the relationship between music and mental health and create a program around mm-hmm. that and take it to colleges around the country because it, there is a correlation between music and mental health and even the types of music, the types of tones. And think of like your local teachers who have um, students who have behavioral dis- difficulties, how they can use music in the classroom and how that can be a huge benefit or how music is life-changing and how anyone can yeah. an artist. Like there's so many different ways for you as a creative or as an artist to get out your core message, which for a lot of folks is like art makes you better. <laughs> And (laughs) that in a way that is beneficial to a wider audience that you can get paid directly from the knowledge that you already have.
0: Yeah, that's I think that first, like taking that first step of thinking outside of what you've become really comfortable with or used to and expanding. And I don't know if it can be sometimes us limiting ourselves and what we are like what we're knowledgeable on. Cause I think a lot of times we can just say, Oh, I only know how to do this or I've only done this. I like, I don't know what to say about this, but honestly that's the world you've been living in for, you know, however long you've been running your business. And so there are a lot of things that I think people can speak on, but they just don't have the confidence to mm-hmm. say, Oh, I do. Like, I do have something to say about that. Topic. Right, like I, I do that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, like, that's really empowering, and I think just anytime that we have a chance to think beyond what we've boxed ourselves in, and we can think, like, oh, well, let me explore this, or let me, let me venture into this, and you can have, like, I'm sure that, you know, in your course and your classes that you teach, like, there's a lot of um, tips and techniques and things like that on how to like rehearse it all out so you're not just going and shooting from the hip but I think just even like getting that ball like getting it turning a little bit of starting to think about topics that are just a bit outside of what you've been doing day in and day out is a really creative exercise if anything to get us to start to to look at our expertise in a more holistic way
1: yes and not all artists but some I have a lot of creative clients because um I do copyright work so for music. Mm. That's important. I do contracts and trademarks. So for a lot of my more most creative clients, they um, they sometimes undervalue their uh, technical expertise, thinking that it's only a creative expertise. So like they would never think Mm -hmm. they can go to a corporation because they're free spirit. They're creative. they, They make art. They don't dress up. They don't wear suits. Yeah. And that's all dope, but I feel like corporations now need creativity more than ever. And the fact that you can produce yeah. things with your hands and your mind and your music means that you could do a whole session on creativity um, to increase capital, and or creativity to, to retain employees. And and I think artists and musicians and those that create every single day are more apt to to do those presentations.
0: Yeah, do you have you run into? Um, in your own experience with pitching to colleges or businesses, corporations, groups, anything of them wanting to know like, well, what is, you know, what's your degree in or, you know, what's your training or do they, what do they want to know about you other than you just saying, this is the topic that I would like to talk to you about. And here's some, you know, evidence that I know what I'm talking about.
1: That's OK. So that's great. So one of the things that we pitch is that if you are going to when you when you propose a topic in the description, you describe your expertise along with the topic. so that they know kind of why you're pitching about that. And if you do that well and you have that conversation, well, they're not going to normally ask for additional information like they're not going to ask you to prove it. Most people, yeah. if you're telling them this is what I'm an expert in, this is why I'm an expert in this particularly, they're going to believe it. They're not going to say, like, well, let me see your MBA in that, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. They, they're they going to believe it. So I don't get asked that a lot, but I do provide that information. So, you know, when I'm talking about academic success, I tell them my entire story and we go through all of that because that's really, you know, that's important for them to to have so we, we do go through all of that, but I don't think people should worry about it. There's actually a girl, um, a woman rather, that I'm going to interview on the Your Rated Cash podcast who teaches people specifically how to go into corporations, but she teaches like untraditional folks how to get those corporate contracts. So like beauticians, okay. barbers, makeup artists, and she doesn't have a college degree. And she talks oh. about that and how she's made well over six figures. Like, I don't know if she's hit six figures a month yet, but she's, I think she's over half, uh, like $500,000 just doing this work, teaching wow. people how to do it and going into corporations, landing those contracts without a high school degree. So I have a law degree. So that's not really a situation I've been into, but I like ter- sharing her story because um, it's good for people to hear. If you don't have a college degree, you're not excluded from corporations. You're not excluded from speaking at colleges. You're just mm. like, you. It's, it's more about your story and who you are and your expertise.
0: Yeah, that's really encouraging to hear. I think And that, like, similar to what we were just talking about, but I think a lot of creatives, and exactly what you were saying, it's this mindset of that's their world, that's not my world. I'm here, they're there, and there's no over, you know, there's no crossover. And so I think it's really encouraging to hear that. If you just present, with passion, you know, and knowledge about what you want to talk about, then there's an opportunity and you don't have to feel like it's a job interview or something. And you bring in your, your resume and show, you know, where you've been for, you know, college and internships or whatever. So I think that's really encouraging.
1: Yeah. And one of the things I'll say, and this may be encouraging to some of your, your listeners as well is I, you know, I went to Northwestern Law, University of Illinois, undergrad, I have a business degree, and I felt like I was underqualified to speak at corporations, because it was like, why would this huge corporation want me to come in and talk to them? Don't they already have people who do this? Like, that was the biggest uh, roadblock for me. And then also, I left corporate because I didn't like it. Like, it wasn't like I left because I just loved it so much, and I'm heartbroken that I'm gone. I have not (laughs) one day, okay? Like, I did not like it, and I I didn't like um you know the the rigid nature of it the lack of creativity in the company Mm -hmm. that i'm for and my my boss at the time just wasn't treating me well so i left because i did not like it and a lot of entrepreneurs leave because they didn't like it if we're being honest and because of that there sometimes is this block that's like i left there i don't want to go back there for any reason it's like ptsd almost like i'm not going back there like you cannot go back there however there are people first off corporations are entities but there are individuals within that corporation who really really need your expertise and they need your freedom and they need mm-hmm. the fact that, that corporation isn't paying all of your bills to go in and train the upper level management on how to do better for the people that are still there so think yeah. of it like a service thing too like you have to you want to serve everyone you don't want to limit it by anything race gender geographic nature you don't want to limit it by entity type You want to help people, period. It doesn't matter where they are or how they look.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. I think that's awesome. Is there, so switching gears just a little bit, like, hearing more about your story and how this has, you know, impacted the way that you do things when you were starting or even still today, like, what are some of the challenges that you feel like you faced, like, getting, maybe a little bit more comfortable with all of this or establishing yourself a little bit more. Like what are some things that you feel like people should anticipate going into it and be prepared to confront um, before they really start to see some traction? I think you have to get insanely comfortable
1: with hearing no. Mm. Like that is, that is the thing you, you may hear two, like out of the 300 people I'll pitch a week, five of them on a great week will agree to have a call with me. Five. Yeah. Those five, one or two may agree to have a follow-up call and one may hire me. So when you're pitching cold like that, it's very difficult to get started in that market. It's different in the corporation market. I only go in warm, but in the college market, I'm you know you don't it's like twenty thousand collegiate opportunities potentially out there. There's just so many colleges, so you're pretty much pitching cold. Um, so you have to get really really comfortable um, with hearing no and just not being told that you're making any money, like not not having the money come in right away. I find that a lot mm-hmm. of people quit too soon and they miss out because they just gave up too quick. So you got to be comfortable yeah. hearing no. It doesn't mean you're not good. It doesn't mean you need to change your, you may need to change your approach if you're always hearing no. But if you, if you're following the system and you're going, you're looking at the numbers that are average for, for open rates for your emails, you're analyzing things. It just takes time to get a consistent pipeline. Like it takes yeah. a time time and it takes a lot of follow-up to get rebooked so a lot of folks get booked then that's it but then after the booking there's a whole nother process that client now has to go through to get them onboarded to before you get to the event you need to have a follow-up meeting you need to send a w-9 you need to so you have to really write out your entire process and think through what you're going to do after they say yes before you get your first yes
0: Mm, yeah and do you um kind of tailor what it is that you're going to be talking about based on where and who you're going to be talking to, or if it's, you know, I'm talking to colleges. So I have this presentation that I'm going to give over and over and over and over again to all of these different colleges.
1: Yeah. So I have, I sell signature speeches and signature programs. So I will pitch three specific um, programs to a college, and these are the three that I pitch to all colleges, but I'll tailor it to the college that I'm speaking with in terms of the, um, on the call. Because I I don't send out pitches, Mm. like I don't send them a pitch before we've ever spoken. I basically send them an intro email, tell them a little bit about what I do, and then I ask for a phone call. And after the phone, on the phone call, I will tell them like, all right, these are three programs that we offer. This is how I can tailor it to your school. And then I send them a formal proposal that's pre-written out. I use Dubsado. A lot for that. And then I send out people, uh-huh. and then, you know, I get feedback from them on the rates and everything else like that. Yeah, you don't, that's you don't create a whole new program every single time, that would be very challenging. And then it would be hard yeah. to say you're like the expert on it, or you're the person that talks about it when you just create a new program every single time you want to have some consistency.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, and I mean, that's just going to make your life so much easier, too, if you have yeah. some kind of Automation and a, a process like a system in place that you can keep going back to and just tweaking, making minor tweaks along the way. Um, yeah, so if some listeners are thinking this, like their interest has peaked, they want to explore this, maybe they have a program that they are wanting to talk about, or maybe they just love the idea of traveling around and talking and speaking and they want to figure out how they can make that happen. What would be the first steps that you would encourage them to take? Yeah, the first
1: step that I would encourage them to take would be to figure out what they want to speak about and then figure out who they want to speak to. Mm. It sounds really basic, but those are definitely the first steps, because if you don't know what you want to speak about and who you want to speak to, then it becomes um, really difficult to develop like a pitch plan and a press plan. So, like, you need your, your, a marketing plan. And yeah. then I would recommend if they're super new, I have, if you join the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group and go to videos, there's a video um, that goes through, like, uh, how to get started as a speaker, as a paid speaker. So, that's, like, a free resource that everyone can take nice. advantage of. And that would be good to just kind of get your bearings. But then you want to be realistic about how much time you have to dedicate to this new stream of income because it can be very time consuming and you don't want to, for me, I do it like quasi full time. So I'm dedicating like 10, 10 hours a week, every single week to growing my speaking business. So it's like part time, um, still dedicating full time hours to my law firm, of course, but in those part-time hours i'm still able to do 20 to 30 engagements a year if not more because of the consistency of the hours so it doesn't yeah. take a ton of time but you have to be doing the right things and then you want to be doing it consistently over time for
0: at least 90 days yeah that's that's really helpful so with like if someone wanted to learn more about the assistance that you give and the trainings that you give with your programs as with the speaking engagements, what would be the best way for them to learn more about that? Is it through your Facebook group or a website? Or where do you think would be the the best place for them to get the information they're looking for? Definitely. You can go to
1: com, and that's a great place to start. And there you'll actually find a link to the Facebook group, um, a link to uh, a video training and some other cool resources there. And you can join my list there under the Connect with Ashley tab. And then uh, the best place to connect with me and talk and chat and ask questions is in the Facebook group, the Speaker Rated Cash Facebook group. And mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of great people in that group. We have about 700 members, and they're pretty active. So if you pose a question in the group, you'll get a response. We had a girl who did her first, a woman who did her first Toastmasters event, and she asked for advice. And uh-huh. it was like 20 comments on there about like, okay, this is what you need to do. Make sure you do a table talk. Make sure you do this. And she ended up going and winning. A um, winning like a Toastmasters competition on wow. her day at the con- she was like, Yeah, and th- she posted in the group was like, Thank you guys so much. So, you know, definitely, oh wow, <laughs> me in there, and everyone's willing to help. Yeah,
0: that's incredible. Well, I really appreciate you having this conversation with us. I think that it's such a creative way to consider scaling your business, which is what we're talking about this entire season. So I hope you guys, if y'all have any questions for Ashley, that you will seek her out. She's a wealth of knowledge on this topic. And I will make sure that I put all of the links to everything in the show notes so that it will be incredibly easy to find. But Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and having this conversation. Congratulations again with your new baby. I'm so excited for you. All right. Well, thank you so much. All right, thank you. Thanks, guys, for listening in on this episode. My conversation with Ashley. I would love it if you would take a minute and leave a review in Apple Podcasts. That would be just so great, and it helps this podcast continue to grow. As always, if you have any questions or if you want to reach out, you can find me over at jordankavuma.com. Talk soon.